The first hassle I ever had was I was trading these stickers with my friends. I went to a flea market and I just sit there. I was like six years old and started selling them to people like walk. And did you make enough money to buy the like, candy or food or? No, I, I bought, more, bought more, more stickers and finished the album first. I was uh, like 16 years old. I came to the US, take them to Chile, started an online site and sold them. And this got me my first money to start my real first business. That is a CrossFit equipment site in Chile. Of course, you know, kettlebells, they were not available in Chile and we ordered like a bunch of uh, like a container from China. We read a book uh, by Tim Ferriss for, for our work week. Sure. And at the end of the site, it, uh, it had some references for suppliers in China. Oh. And we emailed one and he was our supplier. Wow. And we didn't know if they're going to arrive or what, but it got uh, like every kettlebell sold out. We're 18 years old. And how old are you now? 29. Okay, so I created a website for that and like did cool. some spamming. Th that website was like awful. At the moment the CrossFit boom started, we already had kettlebells. By miracle, the kettlebells were part of, of the like the cornerstone of the CrossFit. Yes. And every guy that wanted to start a CrossFit gym in Chile started talking to us. Spending all your money on BMWs, were you? No. Yeah, we always reinvested the money. That we started with three tons. We now always like each container we we bring into the country is about. 80 tons. Holy cow! Most like a personal opinion. I don't like to create products that will break or just end on the landfill. You buy cheap stuff and you sell cheap stuff, things will break and your customers won't recommend your products to others. Things that made kettlebells a success. That was our products are good quality and good price. The business still runs, so I dropped out of the university. I did my internship in a big company in Chile, it's an airline and I hated it. When you have a retail store, you have to keep up with the orders, so you don't want to break the stock. The value of, of Facebook advertising is diminishing? Yeah, actually, like, in the past months, we completely stopped Facebook advertising because it went so up in Chile. Like, I think it's like a 4x. We are getting, like, better rates from influencers. You know, do more squats. You know, maybe I can move some kettlebells. One of the ideas I, I had to another e-commerce store in Chile was a dog store, like a dog clothing store. Okay. I was not going to order a container full of dog clothing without knowing if I, if I was going to be able to sell it. You had that same thinking at being risk averse with your uh, kettlebell, first kettlebell container. Maybe you never would have had your business. Actually, I always try to remember those days, but I, I don't know what we were thinking. I was not able to really have the confidence of that market. So I was thinking like, how could I get like a representative sample, like do a survey and get real answers from all the Chileans? Right. And because at that moment you, you can only sell like a survey through Facebook. But of course, when you do that, you only get questions from your Facebook friends. And I started like getting quotations for market research companies. I got quotations for 20,000 US dollars for doing a study. And that's where the original Initial idea for NCD started. A platform where people could answer service for money. I started developing the, the, uh, the software solution because at this moment, I had more confidence of my development skills for software. I always uh, like new coding, like since I was really more like, my first computer I found it in the trash. So you must have learned these lessons just organically by trial and error, by failing. Yeah, of course, like the internet of me. No one's competing with you. Well, that's something to be like really scared about. <laughs> Either really, really good or really bad. Yeah, probably really bad. 
was it just successful right away? No, not really. That company was not successful at all. Like, we had, we did a proof of concept that it can work. Travel selling the product because we didn't have a, a real good market fit in Chile for this. As in Chile, the consumer insights industry is different than speaking to every journalist we knew and like, hey, publish. So you, you already knew journalists because of your kettlebell industry? No, no, of course not. I just found them on the internet. You say pay. Did you use your own money to pay them? Yeah, at the beginning, yes. So you can ask a question and you get op the opinion instantly. And that, that is what consumer insights managers are, are with different traction. We got a lot of users. So, of course, when you're doing something on, on the internet, getting users is a really valuable like proposition. We were able to predict the elections better than any other company. And which year election was this? 2017. Okay. And some guys from the US saw this and invited me to speak at a conference for market research here. Then it blows up and you make millions of dollars and... No, no, it doesn't work like that. Checkmate. Checkmate? Yeah. How's it checkmate? We got a customer from this. Yeah, we got a customer from that, a real US-based customer. He told us, uh, do you have a company in the US? No, I don't. So I have to incorporate a company here. They make you do things you didn't want to do because, you know, you were doing whatever you could to keep them. Did they change yeah, your business? Yeah, of course, of course. All right, so I'm, I'm trying to run away from this game before Felipe beats me. So I'm, I'm US companies want, want like the product right now. We have a different approach that really gets millennials and generation seed, like participating in this consumer insights research. I changed now users get to choose like charities, local charities they support and the money goes to the charities. We have a charity partner that provides us with real charities, like vetted charities. Did you find this charity partner? Uh, I was like part of the advisor board that co-founded it. Well, there's two co-founders in, in NCD, it's Mario and Joel. So one of them started a charity business. Yeah, Mario. He started Click and Click bets charities. And I believe right now that the newer generations care less about money and care more about doing a better like impact in the world. But when you're doing it for a different good, like a pass it forward, it's going to be a different attitude you take with the survey. Consumers are willing to help local charities rather than like global big uh, abstract charities. Now in, in the US now we have a, like different pilots signed. There's a lot of angles to this company. There's the software development, there's marketing, there's finance, venture capital. So do you, have you taken VC money? No, no, no. We, we are trying to do bootstrap at the beginning. I think that the best money is the, the money that comes from customers. Absolutely. Instead of investors. Now how did you meet your uh, co-founders? How did I meet my co-founders? Well, with Mario, we went we, to university together. Okay. And Joel, we met at networking events. Like the Tres Gauchos. Yeah, Tres Gauchos. <laughs> it's crazy, uh, the noise in New York City is... How do you think you have grown as a business person, as an entrepreneur? Like, I think the, the most valuable asset you get from starting a company is experience and understand the markets, what people are doing, what other companies are doing, understanding technology, understanding how teams work, understanding like that kind of stuff is what the, for me is the biggest growth. Well, the vision for NCD is to close the gap, to access opinion. So we want to finish fake polling and we want to become a relevant source of data. Hello, Startup Hunters. Thank you guys so much for listening. This podcast would be nothing without you. 
And also, this podcast is a startup, so I need all the help that I can get. Would you please leave me a good review in the App Store? This would be huge. That's it. On to the episode. Welcome to Startup Hunter. I am here with Felipe Cordero from Chile. Yeah, hi. And he's the founder of Ensity, which is a public opinion social network. Now, we're here on this beautiful morning in New York City. It's nine o'clock-ish. And Felipe just came here. He's here to bring his enterprise to the US. And before we even get into your day-to-day, on this show, have you taken a look at any of it? Or you're just here totally fresh? No, we're totally fresh. Okay. Like, yes. So the first half of this show, I dive into your history. Okay. And then the second half, we talk about Incity. So, um, the first thing I want to know, Felipe, is where were you born? Also, what did your parents do for work? Well, I was born in Santiago, in Chile, uh, but I did most of my early living in Viña del Mar. Uh, my fathers do for work, they work in mining, they are engineers. So, I was always close to the mining industry in Chile. Uh, like lived projects, did my different work, like helping my dad, he started a, a company. So... Near the Atacama Desert? Yeah, yeah, of course, we had to travel a lot to the desert, different places. Not all the mines are in the desert, but you get them in different shapes and size. So... So your fathers, both your parents are engineers? Yeah. Yeah, both of my father's engineers. Now, did, were they entrepreneurs or did they work for somebody? They did work for somebody, but when the Asian crisis struck Chile, they had to start their own business. And what year was this crisis? 1997. So they, so they started their own business. And was that successful or? Yeah, it still runs. So that, that means success? To me, if a business survives, yeah, yeah. I don't care if you're not the, the, the most popular business in the world. Uh, it, to me, if a business survives, you, you have some degree of success. Yeah, of course. I think that's the, the reason to start a company is to make it survive as long as possible and to like really create an impact on what you're trying to do. So what was the first hustle that you ever had? The first hustle I ever had was, uh, you know, how, how do you call here the like sticker albums for like these books you pay stickers like laminas like uh what are the, what's the purpose of these stickers you collect them and you complete the album sticker album you buy these like envelopes of stickers and then you will start pasting them and you will trade these stickers with your friends so whoever so i was trading these stickers with my friends and Somehow I decided it was better to sell them instead of trading them so I could buy more stickers. Now, who did you sell them to? That's the funny part. I went to a, like a flea market close to my house and I just sit there. I was like six years old and started selling them to people like walking. So I've been always doing selling stuff. Did you have a cart or? No, no. I just was in the floor sitting with my, with my laminas. At six years old? 
Yeah. And did you make um, enough money to buy the candy or food or? No, I, I bought more, bought more more stickers and finished the album first. So you so you reinvested your yeah. your money right back into the business. Yeah, right about it. Yeah, exactly. And you bought more stickers. So did your volume increase? Did you did you start a sticker factory at six? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I just finished the album and that was all. But I remember that as my first like real having customers, you know, like small lemonade stand, uh -huh. but stickers. So it was pretty cool. So, so, so what, what, what happened to your sticker business? Did you do it for the next 10 years until you're 16 years old? No, no, no. Um, when I was uh, like 16 years old, I came to the US and went to an outlet store. And in this outlet store, I bought some snow goggles. And you know, in Chile, there's a lot of snow and we do a lot of snowboarding. Sure, that movie Alive, wasn't that in the uh, Andes? Yeah, exactly. So, but this is snow goggles in Chile are really expensive. Chile is like, it's a really modern country, but with really expensive stuff because we are like an island uh -huh. covered by mountains. So I went to this outlet here in the US and found these snow goggles all for $10, like a bag of snow goggles. Uh -huh. And take them to Chile, started a an online site and sold them and this got me my first money to start my real first business that is a crossfit equipment site in chile that's a yeah. what a crossfit equipment like in an e-commerce for crossfit kettlebells okay so let's let's unpack this a bit let's take it a slower so tell me like what gave you the idea that this would even maybe work the kettlebells, like, yeah, or or the or the uh, snow goggles. No, the snow goggles. So the snow goggles were cheap, and I knew they were expensive. In did did you only have one? Like, did you have a constant supply of snow goggles? No, coming? no. I just had like I was at the other that bought 10, 10 packs of snow goggles. Yeah. Yeah, these Oakley snow goggles. So I just sold that in literally ten pairs. Yeah. Just ten units. Yeah, ten units. Okay, so but they were so cheap and they're so expensive at Chile. Because in Chile, you always get like the season, like the past season at the stores. So these were new goggles in Chile, okay. but they were like liquidating here. Okay, so you found some arbitrage, some, yeah. some, so, so, uh, um, so, so you, you bought kettlebells after this? Yeah, after that, I was on, into fitness. And this, I, of course, you know, kettlebells, they were not available in Chile. And we ordered like a bunch of, uh, like a container from China yeah. with a friend. How heavy was this container? Like a, a two three, tons? Three tons. <laughs> okay, this is uh, really cool. We didn't have idea what, what to, we're doing. Like, no, he, well, hold on. Like, did you go to like a Chinese website? No. Did you go to Alibaba? No, no. Uh, we, re we read a book uh, by Tim Ferriss. Uh, of course, the, the, the lean. For, for our work week. Sure. And at the end of the site, it, uh, it had some references for suppliers in China. Oh. And we emailed one and he was our supplier. Wow. Yeah, that's a, like, that's not something a lot of people know, but we did that. So did you just wire this stranger money? Yeah. yeah. And, and so he totally could have taken your money and- yeah, Exactly, but we started like selling these kettlebells that were in the sea coming to Chile. And we didn't know if they're going to arrive or what, but it got like every kettlebell sold out. So a whole shipping container. And w was this person who bought them with you your business partner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, we still work together. So what are you, 16, 17 years old? We were 18 years old. And how old are you now? 29. 
Okay, so about 10, oh, over 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago. Um, okay, so sold out your kettlebells. Yeah, I created a website for that and like did well, some spamming. In, did some internet. spamming? Yeah, internet forums. Like we are going to get this. There's no, no one else in Chile has them. So, and so every fitness guy started buying from us. And did, did you get any backlash? Did people say, hey, you're spamming, you know, get off our site? No, 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 of course not. Like, as it's a, it was a new product. They were, people were looking for it. Like, it was not available in Chile. So they were happy. Like, some people will say they, it's expensive or stuff like that. But at the end, they, they will be buying from us either way. And did you do free shipping or did you? No, like, no, you no, no, no. You that, just that, that website was like awful. It was like, you just fill the form. You wrote what kettlebells you liked, and we will charge you like a wire transfer. And they always customer space for the shipping because it's really expensive. It's, it's weight. Right. So we made people pay for the shipping, and they will get their kettlebells in their house. And this was like 10 years ago before the CrossFit boom started. Uh -huh. So at the moment the CrossFit boom started, we already had kettlebells in stock. And by miracle, the kettlebells were part of, of the, like the cornerstone of the CrossFit. Yes. And every guy that wanted to start a CrossFit gym in Chile started talking to us about getting these kettlebells and getting more stuff that was not available in the market. And we started ordering new products. So you, so you listened to these guys. Yeah, customers. Now, was it, was it, did you, did, were you spending all your money on, you know, uh, BMWs, were you? No. Did you have the capital available? So when these guys said, I need, uh, you know, iron bars or whatever, whatever they asked for. Yeah, we always reinvested the money, of course. Now, why didn't you go, you know, buying um, gold suits and gold shoes and... No, we, we, we did some partying, like, of course, you, you, the context of this was, we were like, what, 10, 20 years old, we got money, so we, of course, we spend money on parties, but we always were aware that it's not a lot of money, so you have to reinvest it to, uh -huh. to make it bigger. Of course, we always been reinvesting. That company still exists, and we have now like over 200 products. And I don't know, it's like, we talked that we started with three tons. We now always like, each container we, we bring into the country is about 80 tons. Holy cow! So and we enter like five containers a year. Now, do you have competition on that business? Like, yeah. is Amazon competing with you, or well, there's no Alibaba. There's, there's no big presence of Amazon in Chile, but of course, there's other fitness companies that are competing in Chile. Now, do you think? Do you think when you started, you were already competing with established fitness uh, companies? No. no, we were the only ones with the kettlebells or sidekettlebells.cl. So we were the only ones with that product in Chile at the beginning. Yeah, but there must have been other fitness companies. Yeah, of course, but they were like traditional fitness products not targeted to the CrossFit yeah. community. So we started developing all these CrossFit products. Like it's really similar to Rogue Fitness. So at the moment we were the only ones doing that in Chile. Did you get any of that Zumba action? No, 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 no. no my business partner is like a real, he really likes like strict fitness, he's like big. And we always, we're like really driving, driven by our ideas. So we don't sell shit products. Uh -huh. We don't like to create garbage. 
So talk about that. You don't like to create garbage. So what do you what, talk about that more? Well, that's most like a personal opinion. I don't like to create products that will break or just end up on the landfill. Like I want to create stuff that will last. And of course we do all small packaging, stuff like that. Like, and I don't know, when, when, you, when you have a, a business, you have the choice to select your suppliers and you have the choice to select what you're selling. So I select just not sell stuff that will become garbage in, I don't know, at least a couple of years. So I'm not destroying the planet. So I, I would think that when, when you have the choice as a business, you know, there's a lot less money to buy something cheap. And it, the cheap thing will work, you know, once or it'll work for a month. And, and, but, and then once that month is up, you know, you could... Yeah, but if, if, if you buy cheap stuff and you sell cheap stuff, things will break and your customers won't recommend your products to others. Yeah. And if you have high quality products at a reasonable price, and uh, they will of course recommend your products to others. So I think that's one of the things that made Kettlebells a success. That was our products are good quality and good price. So people will always be recommended. How long, let's talk about the growth of that business. Just, okay, website, yes. super simple. Um, was it like, how long did it take you to sell out the first uh, cart, the shipping container? Mm, about two months, something and like that. Like before it, it arrived, because when you order from China to Chile, it takes 45 days for the chip to arrive. Were you working other jobs in the meantime? No. Oh, I was at university, so I was just doing the website and like trying to sell this incoming, unaware of what, what can be shipment of kettlebells. So you get, you sold, sell out your first uh, container in t two months. Did you ever quit university to focus fo uh, solely on the business? Well, I, I stayed in university for five years and after five years, uh, the business still ran. So I dropped out of the university, like I didn't finish it because I didn't feel like I, I needed the, I don't know, the paper, how do you call it, the diploma? diploma. So because at that moment, the company just was bigger. So I said, okay, I will just keep growing this. I don't have, a, I don't need a diploma because I'm, I'm, the, I'm going to be my boss. And of course I did my internship in a big company in Chile, it's an airline, and I hated it. So, of course, at that moment, everything told me, like, you should not finish this, and dropped out. So was your co-founder, was he, like, running a factory while you're doing your internship? Were you helping each other out? No, not really. Like, we always, like, the company is mostly uh, out, uh, it's automatic. It's, it's all based on internet, so we don't have a factory. We don't have, we only have a warehouse, so we get orders and it ships. And my co-founder there mostly drives the operations and logistics and product development. Uh, both, we both drive the advertising, digital advertising, product development, financial like cases, stuff like that, and decisions of suppliers. So it's mostly, uh, we are two people there and we do most of the job. And at, at this time, it's, it's, everything's automatic there. So. So, you know, with this kettlebells, did you, you did diversify the business. You did start selling other items. Was your, what, like, what was your goal with the company? Did you have like a five-year vision? Like in five years, I want this company to be making, you know, $5 million. Did you have some kind of goal? 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I wanted to come here and live to, in New York City, so I started reinvesting until I was able to sustain myself living here. So uh, that's what my, that was my So that, was, that took 10 years? Well, like that was like the two-year goal, but of course at the beginning we didn't have any goals. We were just doing it without thinking anything. And, and talk about how, you know, the, the progression of that, like what was the most difficult thing that, that challenge that you faced um, in growing that business? Well, the biggest challenge is to keep, when you, when you have a retail store, you have to keep up with the orders. So you don't want to break the stock. And of course, sometimes you get so many sales and you, then you don't have products. And that's a challenge because when you are like, if, if you let anxiety drive you, you will start buying from suppliers that will take less time, but will drive like less quality and you have the risk of getting a shipment that is like low quality product. Exactly. So how, how do you deal? How did you deal with th that situation when there was too much demand, not enough supply? Well, we just have to like reduce your advertising so we don't get so much demand. We're using Google AdWords. Yeah, we do mostly Facebook, Google and any kind of digital advertising. I, I control that so I can like pull the lever when there's some where there's a lot of stock. I just do more advertising and we will get more sales and there's no stock. We stop doing advertising or we just advertise the products we have in stock. So it's a very dynamic catalog. So have you noticed that over time you have to pay more money for Facebook advertising and it's the value of, of Facebook advertising is diminishing? Yeah, actually, like in the past months, we completely stopped Facebook advertising because it went so up in Chile. Like I think it's like a 4x growth in price. And of course, also the conversion rates are, are going down because consumers in Facebook face too much advertising and they don't respond to it as they used to. At the beginning, it was like a pot of gold. Like you, you paid like, I don't know, $10 and you got back $3,000 in sales. But right now it's, for, for us, it's not our, our main priority. We are getting like better rates from influencers, Google advertising, YouTube advertising, stuff like that. So you started reaching out to influencers, which I think is, you know, a really good move. Yeah, yeah. Like we started with working with influencers uh, two years ago, maybe more. And you know this, when, when you do it right, because when you're doing internet business, you, have, you, you can track everything. So you know this at the moment. So wait, here, I have, I have a quiz for you. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so if I just like, you know, do more squats, you know, maybe I can move some kettlebells. What do you think? Yeah, of course. Okay, deal. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if you get a kettlebell, you will be able to move a kettlebell. The kettlebell is a different kind of movement. It's a ballistic movement. So it's completely different than going to the gym. Like, of course, guys that train with kettlebells know that. What, what, what do you, what's your relationship with fitness? What do, you, what do you like to do? Well, when we started this company, I was into fitness. I went to the gym like three times a day. But Holy cow. right now I'm, I'm not doing any fitness, like only walking in New York. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, there's a lot of walk. This is a real walking city. Yeah, like I, I noticed because from my Google analytics, I get that I think my walking against Santiago is like five times, five X growth. Why is Santiago more of a car town? Right now it's more of an electric scooter town. Uh-huh. Yeah, so for me at least. But yeah, it's more of a car town. We have electric scooters here too. They're uh, 
Yeah. Well, people are buying the boosted scooters. Oh, okay, but you have to buy them. Oh, in, in Santiago, you got the Lime scooters. Yeah. So they're everywhere. They're and you against, just... They're against the law here right now. Yeah. I think that, that may change. I uh, think like in Brooklyn, it will be a great place to have scooters. We're doing this internet business. We're getting sales through the internet without a store. Like at this store, we always get the question, do you have a store? No, we don't have a store. You, you are at the store right now. Like the website is store because e-commerce is, is growing in Chile. You don't have the, like the behavior you get here in the US about e-commerce. So people are not used to it. Uh -huh. So we always get that question. Do you have a physical store? No, we don't. And of course, from this, a lot of ideas came. And one of the ideas I, I had to another e-commerce store in Chile was a dog store, like a dog clothing store. Okay. But at that moment, I didn't knew, like, of course, I was little risk averse like than before that I, I, w I was not going to order a container full of dog clothing without knowing if I, if I was going to be able to sell it. But you, you know, if you had that same, if you had that same thinking at being risk averse with your uh, kettlebell, first kettlebell container, maybe you never would have had your business. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I, actually, I always try to remember those days, but I, I don't know what we were thinking. Like, it was, uh, I know, we were young. So. But it paid yeah. off. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great business. So you, you started thinking about dog, uh, dog clothing. You have different ideas for more stores. So, when, you, when you're doing business, you're always trying to diversify where your money is. So it's the same with a store. You, you build a long tail inventory. So of course we have this big stock of fitness products, but I was thinking, let's try another industry like dog clothing. But at that moment, I was not able to really have the confidence of that market. So I was thinking like, how could I get like a representative sample like do a survey and get real answers from all the Chileans. Right. And because at that moment you, you can only sell like a survey through Facebook. But of course, when you do that, you only get questions from your Facebook friends and that are far away from representing a real country. Sure. So I got the idea for the next business and started like what it became in city now. So in order to give you some confidence to see if, if you could become a, a cute dog yeah, clothing I, seller for Instagram dogs. I, I needed to do market research. So when I started like getting quotations for market research companies, I got quotations for 20,000 US dollars for doing a study. I was like, these guys are crazy. I'm not going to pay that. And I started like, how you can do this with the, the internet? Like all the people is here. Why, why don't you like just do it? And that's where the, like, the original initial idea for NCD started. Okay, so what, what year was this? This was the year 2016, I think, 15, maybe. So three to four years ago. Yeah. And what did you do about it? Uh, we started designing this new, like, a platform where people could answer service for money. I started developing the, the, uh, the software solution because at this moment I had more confidence of my development skills for software and I had a better understanding of what I had before at, when I started Kettlebells and so loud. So, so in developing your kettlebell business, 
did you learn coding? I always uh, like new coding, like since I was really small, I got my first computer, I got into coding, programming. At that moment, you all, you, to run a game, you have to run codes, so. That, to run like, a game? Yeah, you have to like. Like what kind of game? There was this like floppy disk and you had to, well, my first computer, I found it in the trash. So it was an old computer. Nice. So it came with this disk that you have to put and to run them, you have to write the codes. Of course, uh, I learned to do that, like to play this game. It was mm -hmm. a tank game. I don't know the name, but it's really cool. Um, and then, so you, you'd, you'd been coding and so what did you do? HTML, JavaScript, like what was your server? Yeah, mostly HTML at the beginning, like do basic web pages. But with time, you get to understand like different like frameworks. I did my all my e-commerce site by myself. And what, like what framework? It's PHP, JavaScript, sure. different tools, of, of course. But the, the most important skill when you do like internet business is design. Like you have to understand like behavior design, what people are doing on their computers. Because if you do something that no one's going to use, no one's going to use it. You can't create behavior. You have to like make use of it. So you must have learned these lessons just organically by trial and error, by failing. Yeah, of course, like the internet of me. There must be like internet giants in, in Chile, like famous, you know, Mark Cuban of, of Chile or... Yeah, yeah, of course, there's, there's big internet companies, there's big corporations that take, make use of the internet. But I don't think that right now there's like one big Mark Cuban. Like I, I can't think of any. Okay, so so was the company Kettlebells just you and your co-founder? What's his name? Francisco Piojo. Was it just you and Francisco or did you bring more people on to help you? No, it was, it was me and him and we have like part-time people working for us. Like depends on the on the season. But so in the factory or? Well, the factory is in China. So I have never seen the factory. I mean the warehouse. Yeah, no, the warehouse is the, no, it's mostly automatic. Right. It's just like a warehouse, you get like the, the, the shipping orders and it goes out. So. What areas did you need the most help in? Well, like the past years, we like had more help in the advertising area, like doing better digital advertising, doing better CEO campaigns. And of course, as it gets competitive to be on the internet selling stuff, you have to get better at that. Right, because people say, okay, kettlebells that, that's, uh, Chile is, is, has success, so if they could do it, I could do it. Exactly, so there's, there's guys that started copying us and we have to compete, but of course, you, you do it by competing. Like, that, that's how it works. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's good to have more companies targeting your same industry because it, it, it validates that you're not the only one having this like idea. For me, competition is good. Like if you have competition, there's probably something of interest at the end of the business. So if no one's competing with you, well, that's something to be like really scared about. <laughs> Either really, really good or really bad. Yeah, probably really bad. Probably. Yeah. Um, well, all these ideas from getting this market research, like software that will do representative sampling came out and started, we started developing a, a company called Enfocus that 
was like this survey company based on a mobile app, like small social network. So what was the first thing you did in that effort? You know, just thing. It was it. Did you just make a domain name? Did you do? Yeah, of course. Everything starts with the domain name. Okay. Like when you have an idea and you try to, of course, names pop up. For me, it happens like that. So I, I go to the domains and start buying domains. Like if someone like if it's available, then I, I think what what can this domain become? Was it just successful right away? No, not really. That company was not successful at all. Like. We we did a proof of concept that it can work, but uh, we had a lot of troubles. Like, Talk about the trouble. What was your first trouble? Well, we were not expecting like a lot of people to register at the first like months. Of course, our servers failed. Like they went down. We got a huge bill from AWS. Because uh, <laughs> because you 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 had some sloppy code somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We had this um, auto scaling. Features that, of course, auto scaled, uh, but the, the, the auto scaling goes to the bill also. So, so we got a big, like, bill at the end of the month that got us in trouble, and like we, financial we, trouble. Yeah, like we were not prepared for that, and we had trouble selling the product because we didn't have a, a real good market fit in Chile for this. As in Chile, the consumer insights industry is different than than what you find in the U.S. Okay, talk about how is it different. It's more mature, like it's, uh, it's not mature enough. So there's no, only big companies have consumer insights departments. And these big companies are used to work with other big companies. And you don't have the culture of working, at least at that moment, the culture for working with startups was not, was not like the best. Like startups didn't have the, the best like uh, track record for for working with big companies. Okay, so give me a, give me a story. Like, you you build the domain name. Was it the Incity domain name? No, no, it was a different domain name. It wasn't Focus. Okay. And did you um, like? How did you incur all these Amazon costs? Were you throwing advertising? Were you, like how were you getting traffic to this domain? We did a lot of advertising, but mostly organic advertising. We did influencer marketing. Uh, we did press. We did a lot of, as we had a research platform, we could do research. So we started doing like relevant research for the what was happening in the country at the moment, that was the elections. And we got a lot of press coverage from that. Of course, not only elections, but other topics like uh, music festivals, so how did you Stuff get this like press cover? Why would the, why would the press cover you? Ah, oh, we were just like speaking to every journalist we knew and like, hey, publish. So you you already knew journalists because of your kettlebell industry? No, no, of course not. I just found them on the internet. Like you're a journalist at this place. Okay, like look at this. We're doing this. And wh why would they be interested? Well, it was, it's like it's cool. It's, it's new. It's new. I think journalists are always interested in if you have something new to show. They are looking for news, so it's, it's, their, it's part of their job to be like getting leads for new stuff. And if you show them something good, they will publish you. So you, so you said we're doing consumer insights, or did you have a crafty way of? No, of, I said like we we have this app that that, that pays people to answer consumer research, and of course they will be interested in that because it when you when you have a news that is interesting to the public, 
journalists will be interested in. Now, when you say pay, did you use your own money to pay them? Yeah, at the beginning, so that's yes. That's really crazy. Yeah. You're crazy, you're insane. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it was like, that was like part of the investment we did, like to pay the first studies. And of course it was like expensive, yeah. Okay, so that's sort of newsworthy because people are making money. Yeah. Um, the thing is, could you like sustain that? Did, did you say like, okay, in three months, I can no longer keep this up and uh, we're done? Well, at, at that moment, we think like we were expecting like, like a lot of interest from the market, from the consumer you interest were expecting market. people yeah. to buy you and then return on your investment. Exactly, like buy, buy the product that was the research. So what was the initial product? Like, was it uh, reports? Uh, yeah, it's instant reports that the app generates from the opinion of the users. So you can ask a question and you get the opinion instantly. And that, that is what consumer insights managers are always looking for. But as the industry in Chile was not mature enough, I think that probably by or like ourselves were not prepared to attack this really pro industry or, or what they're doing. They were not like ready to try new technologies at that moment. Okay, so fundamentally you wanted market research to see if you could sell dog clothing. You realized it was way too expensive. You said, I have the skills to build this myself. Let me try it. And then you just went full into that. Yeah. Okay, I, I, love, I love it. Yeah. Um, well, but, but you said it, the, the, your first products was not get selling, even with all the press. Yeah, we got, a lot, we got some sales from companies in Chile, but we didn't have like the behavior built in the platform so they could be buying more. Like we didn't have like sustained sales at that moment. I don't know, when I think back at that moment, of course I didn't know anything about what market research was. I was just thinking of doing that. Uh -huh. But we got like different traction. We got a lot of users. So of course, when you're doing something on, on the internet, getting users is a really valuable like proposition. Sure, these uh, users are getting paid money. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's I'm sure they're happy. Yeah. And what came after that, we keep doing like our own research, like political research that at the end uh, we change the strategy and we pay them less for the political opinions than the like the brand research was paying a lot, but the political opinion did not pay much. So we could keep continue doing that. And we started doing the same research, these big research companies were doing about the elections at the same time. Like every week we're asking the like similar questions about who do you think is going to be the president, stuff like that. And we were able to predict the elections better than any other company. And which year election was this? 2017 okay. in Chile, the presidential elections. So the thing was that there were like five contenders and three of them were new contenders, like unestablished parties. And all the other polling companies were like saying, these guys won't have any traction. Like people won't vote for them. But as we got like a bigger sample to make these studies, because we are doing 5,000 people studies and regular companies did like 700 people, because for them it's really expensive, they had to call them. Okay. We got a better sample and we were able to say like, these guys are going to get a lot more traction and, and each step of the process of the elections, we had like the lowest margin of error, like 1.4%. And we were thinking like, oh, this really works. Like, or like our sample 
can be uh, provide valuable information. So when this election finished, we published like at different stages what we were doing, and some guys from the U.S. saw this and invited me to speak at a conference for market research here, and that's when like everything started for the U.S. Um, so so. Were, was your company making more money? Was it on the track to being profitable? No, 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 of course not. Okay. At that moment, no, no, no. So, we, so you're making a lot of buzz, but fundamentally your business is a risk, not, yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it requires investment, so it's not being profitable, but you always think like, okay, the next month is going to be better, but it, it, it didn't came through. I'll listen to it. So you're so on the outside, you're you everything it looks good from from the outside, but from the inside it's not good. So you you yeah. come to the U.S. You, you speak, you, you speak here, and what year are we talking? This was 2018, past year. Okay. Yeah, in June. What happened? Uh, well, at, at that conference there was the all the market research industry in the U.S. was there, like, but not not all, but a lot of it, like. 5,000 people, something like that. And they saw my, my keynote and a lot of people like approached me and told me like, this platform is amazing. How are you doing this? Like, is it, is it real? Like they were asking me, do you have a real product? Is, is it slides or, or just like, do you have software? Okay. And I showed them the- chess. Cool. Do you know how to play? Mm, so, so, but I, yeah. I don't know. So you come here, you do your conference talk. Yeah. And then it blows up and you make millions of dollars and... No, no, it doesn't work like that. No, we, like, we got the interest from, like, real market researchers in the U.S. Uh-huh. And that's, of course, something of value. And... Did you get some big customers from that? Uh, yeah, yeah, we got a, a license sold. Checkmate. Checkmate? Yeah. How's a checkmate? I just like take that. How's a checkmate? I don't understand. It's not I a think checkmate. That, that can move in, in that direction. That's the that's the the king. You can only move like this. King can move anyway, right? No, the queen can. Okay. So I just go like this. Yeah. Not checkmate. Uh, <laughs> almost. So you actually got a customer from this? Yeah, we got a customer from that, a real US-based customer. So he told us, uh, do you have a company in the US? No, I don't. So I have to incorporate a company here. Now, was it a trial run or like, did they just like... No, they, they, they paid for a license to use the software. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So at this point in Chile, you really hadn't... No, no traction. Like, of course, like, there's customers coming, but there's not something that's going to grow like crazy. So, and you, the U.S. market is 20 times the, the size of the, of the, like, Chilean market. And if you get opportunity to come here and, like, be somewhere, like close to the market, that's the opportunity you have to take. And, and did they sort of rake you over the coals? Did they, you know, since they're, 
Do, you know, did they, did they make you do things you didn't want to do because, you know, you were doing whatever you could to keep them? Did they change yeah, your business? Yeah, of course, of course. They, yeah. We were offering a lot of like free trials, uh, new features that we were building up on the, on the developer side. All right, so I'm, I'm trying to run away from this game before Felipe beats me. So I'm, I'm sure some of you can analyze this game, you know, in, in post, in post, and see and see who really, who really wins. Yeah, I don't know. So we, we continue with that company. So you got your first real client from that in the U.S., not really in Chile. Yeah, in the U.S. So like the real big, like rep, like the kind of client we were trying to get. Yeah. So. Of course, that was like, let's be there. Like, why, why, why? And the clients here in New York? Can you say, do you, can you, you don't have to say who it is, but. Uh, no, it's not in New York, actually. But uh, that, that same time I, I went to the conference, I came to the conference, um, I came to New York, and New York is the capital of market research. So I had a lot of meetings here about the, this new company, and, or the software, really. And people like were telling like you how many users you have like can, can I do research right, right right now? And at that moment we don't have U.S. users. So right. So you only so the, the U.S. company U.S. companies want want like the product right now. Yeah. And we still don't have it like completely outside. Probably when this video goes out, it's going to be. But clients want the product here. So does anything exist like this? This it has to be like. Facebook is collecting this kind of data. Yeah, yeah. There are like solutions outside, but we have a different approach that really gets millennials and generation seed, like participating in this consumer insights research. Are you still paying the users no. rewards? No, it changed. Now users get to choose like charities, local charities. They support and the money goes to the charities instead of the users. So, how do they know you're not just uh, BS? Like, how do they, you know? Like, well, you can't be BS. Like, it's not legal to be BS, so you can't publish. Probably, like, in the early days of the internet, you could do whatever you wanted in the internet, but right now you can't do, like, BS stuff. It's, there's legal compliance. So you have to come through with what you say. So, uh, I don't know, at least that's my point of view. I, I won't do something fake on the internet because there's a lot of liabilities. Well, and you're here taking this interview, you're not hiding, hiding in some mountain somewhere. No, of course not. Or, or in some, on some beach and, uh, and, and, and pretending to be an Instagram millionaire <laughs> while ripping yeah. people off. Yeah, of course. I don't know why people do that. It's like, <laughs> they, they think they, I don't know. There's probably, there's reasons for them to do it, but there's a lot of liability if you do something like that uh -huh. on the internet. But in the short story, we, we, get the, we have a charity partner that provides us with real charities, like vetted charities, and users can select that charities they help while answering research. How did you find this charity partner? Uh, I was like part of the advisor board that co-founded it, so... How did you become an advisor? One of my co-founders founded the company. You said one of your co-founders. I thought Francisco is your only co-founder. No, Francisco is my co-founder at Kettlebells. Oh, so you had a different co-founder for... Yeah, this is a different company. Ah. So there's different companies I'm involved with, and 
all these companies have different co-founders, of course. So wait, this this guy who was a co-founder with you, he then stopped being a co-founder? Co no, we're co still co-founders. You can have a lot of companies. You don't have to have only one. Yeah, well, I believe, I don't think you can, it comes back to your word of quality. <clears throat> yeah. I don't think you could burn the candle at, at two ends and produce quality. Or you can, there are examples, right? Like Steve Jobs did it. Steve Jobs ran Pixar and Apple at the same time. I mean, you can do it. Yeah, yeah I think that- I think it takes an amazing toll on, on somebody. It depends on how you run the company. If you try, if you do, if you design it to be self-sustainable and like with good process, it, it doesn't have to be something like that is going to kill you. Like there's stuff that runs all the time. You don't have to be like monitoring it if you have a really good internet company. So your new co-founder, what's his, his or her name? Well, there's two co-founders in, in NCD. It's Mario and Joel. So one of them started a charity business. Yeah, Mario. Mario started a charity business because he's more into, uh, how do you call this, uh, philanthropy. So he was, he was seeing that charities don't have a way to prove what they are doing, like in a transparent way. And he started Click and Click bets charities and provides them a software platform that helps them be transparent about what they are spending the money they get. So like Mercosur. Yeah. Yeah, in Chile and in the US also. And, and we got that this charity partner and other charity partners that exist that vet charities and we get these real charities where that users can select and help these charities while answering the brand research. I think there's a lot going on here. There's, there's really a lot going on here. But it's, it's simple, you know, like, there's, this, there's the market of research that needs to research people, okay? That's the start. Yeah. And right now the model to get people to participate in research is to offer them money. You know, like the, I think the, the famous case here is the Nielsen company that shipped you a dollar bill and like in the start of this. So all these providers of people, panels, pay the users to participate in the research, but they pay like low amounts of money. They pay $1.25, $5 at tops when they pay. And I believe right now that the newer generations care less about money and care more about doing a better like impact in the world. Mm. So they are willing to spend their time answering questions for brands by helping charities. Of course, I still don't prove this, but I think I have the complete confidence that it will work. Then there's all these sites. For example, I play a video game yeah. and I Google like, and this video game needs $20,000 in order to like really be a top level player, right? Obviously, yeah. I'm not going to pay $20,000. Like, <laughs> I, I, I can't justify it. So, I'm here Googling, like, cheats, cheat codes, right? So, I get to this website and it says, we'll give you all the cheats you want. Just fill out these surveys, you know? And it goes to these survey sites. And then those survey sites take five minutes. And then they never, you know, they never. So, there's all this, like, yeah, it's always something they do so they don't pay you or they don't, you don't get what they say you are getting. Exactly, and yet they get their market research. Exactly, so I believe that's not the way to do it. I believe that that's the, the, the ugly part of the market research industry right now, the way people are getting these responses. And I believe research 
done that way does not really represent consumers. So I have to tell you, I wasn't giving honest answers because I'm like, I was very skeptical that, that I'm gonna get my. So I'm just like clicking the first question to just get through the survey. You're doing it for your own good. Like it's, I want this, I will do this in exchange. But when you're doing it for a different good, like a pass it forward action, it's going to be a different attitude you take with the survey. You're going to answer it in your phone, like thinking like I'm doing good for the world by doing this. So it's going to be a more honest participation. So you're just really at the start of trying to figure out how to get traction in the US with yeah. your app. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Let me see the app. Oh. What kind of beer do you like? What did you click? API. Right, so you see like a great interface, so, but you're still trying to figure out how to get traction here. Right now we are figuring out how to finish this. It's, it's like in the final week of development. Like you see it working, but there's like details. But it's, it's working in Chile yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. What are the hot topics in Chile right now? Cosmetics, politics, uh, consumer opinion, stuff like that. Consumer opinion about what kind of things? Anything. What, imagine you have a question, you can ask, ask it and get responses without needing followers. So you can ask anything you want. But it's not like Quora, where it's like... Yeah, the, thing, the different thing about Quora is that you get like text responses and you have to read opinions and this aggregates opinion. So you get results like, oh, people prefer this. Okay, you don't get to read like other people's opinion or other people's sales speeches about what you're asking. Now, now the, the social um, component to it, are these only Latin American uh, charities or...? No, 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 there's, there's mostly global charities. So, well, research says that consumers are willing to help local charities rather than like global big uh, abstract charities. So we are getting charities here in New York. There's a charity that helps dogs, other that helps uh, homeless persons, stuff like different local charities. Yeah. I, I believe that like you can do better for the world than just for yourself and like participating. So here I, I go in your app, I answer one question. Does that do like one sense? Like what's, how do I like? No, you, you answer questions from other users, like because you, you like it, it's quite like addictive to use it. Like it's not addictive, but it's like fun to use. Because it's is a relevant, interesting. Yeah, it's relevant information. You're getting real data about what people think. Uh, it, it closes the gap to all these representative opinion tools that corporate have and it's available to anyone. But when you get a sponsored research, like from, let's say, this brand, Maria Wheels, Maria Mills, you will get to help charity. So when a brand selects you, your profile, as a relevant profile to their brand, and you answer their research, you will be helping charity. So for every question that I answer, some of them just, I'm just answering some of them you're just like participating in, in the feed, social feed. I want to like when I, every time I click a question, I want to know like I'm getting like, I'm like one out of 250 points. You know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, there's, I want to feel like every question that I answer helps me get somewhere to some goal. Cool. So we're doing some product development now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that we, we have a points system, but it's not going out in this version because it, it, it's more complex than, than it sounds. But 
Yeah, of course, every question you do, you help charities. And if you want to, for example, if you want to donate, you can do it through the app to any charity you want. And we let users donate up to a million dollars. Are people doing that? Not yet, but I, I hope they will. So do you have uh, lots of clients or you still have just that one client? Uh, no, in, in the US now we have uh, like different pilots signed that are waiting for, for the app to be finished and published. So, so you've been doing some hustling? Of course, yeah. yeah. And yeah, your co-founders co have been working it from other angles too? Yeah, of course, we have the, there's a lot of angles to this company. There's the software development, there's marketing, there's finance, venture capitalists. So do you, have you taken VC money? No, no, no. We, we are trying to do bootstrap at the beginning. And maybe later we will start looking for investment. I think that the best money is the, the money that comes from customers. Absolutely. Instead of investors, it's, it's, it's way cheaper because an investor will take 20% of your company for money you need now, but you have to give them 20% of your profit for the rest of your life. So, so that's really expensive money. And, and they'll drive your business in a way that maybe yeah, you didn't inte intend and maybe give you a heart attack, who knows? Yeah, it comes with liabilities. So, so it, I think to have money at the early stage of the company is it's, it's really expensive. Like, it's better to get customers and get money from them and prove your business model and then get VC money. Now, how did you meet your uh, co-founders? How did I meet my co-founders? Well, with Mario, we went with, to university together. Okay. And Joel, we met at networking events. He, in Chile? Yeah, he's the co-founder of a cryptocurrency exchange. Ah. So, it's called Orion X. And we met, like, we had this technology, same view of technology, he understand the problem. So, he came on board and I came on board of the Orion X also. So, so we co-invested, like cross-invested in our company. So you're like the Tres Gauchos. Yeah, Tres Gauchos. <laughs> so I love it. I understand now. I, it's a little scatterbrains, but I think I've gotten a full picture. And, and I hope you guys too. And It's crazy. Uh, the noise in New York City is... Okay, so final question. Yeah. How do you think you have grown? as a business person, as an entrepreneur? Well, I think that when you look back, you see like different views you had of like the ideas and you look them at now and you, you get to see the, all the learning. Like I think the, the most valuable asset you get from starting a company is experience. And like knowing that you can do like other companies based on the experience on the previous ones, it's amazing. It's like, for me, that's, that's all that it, it is for me, like to learn and to understand the markets, what people are doing, what other companies are doing, understanding technology, understanding how teams work, understanding like that kind of stuff is what the, for me is the biggest growth. There you go. And what's the vision for InCity? Well, the vision for InCity is to close the gap to access opinion, real opinions. So we want to finish fake polling and we want to become a relevant source of data. There you go. So uh, you can get it right now in the US? 
yeah, I hope that it's going to be available in the App Store next week. So thank you so much for coming on. Cool.